Hey, everybody. Welcome to The 180 with Eric Lockley. I'm your host, Eric Lockley. There are moments in life that define us, that set us on one path or plunge us down a completely different one. Join me as we dive into our guest's turning points. Let's laugh, heal, and be inspired together as we pull back the curtain on how our guests made the 180. Sometimes life gets hard when you're on your journey. Don't stop, keep going, you can turn it around. The 180, yes, it's a big change. The 180, your life will be the same. The 180, you can do it. Say yes to your beautiful future. The 180, yeah. <laughs> You're ridiculous, I can't. Ah, I can't. <laughs> That laugh, I, that's a great, that's great. Well, thank you, thank you. So that was the theme song. I thank you, Ashley, for being here. Uh, we've, we've got Ashley Rouse here with us. How are you today, Ashley? Fantastic, how are you? I'm pretty good, I'm good. I'm gonna tell you all a little bit about Ashley. Ashley is the founder and CEO of Trade Street Jam Company, a small batch vegan jam company. Her products can be found in many retail locations across the United States, as well as online at Uncommon Goods and on the company's website. Trade Street Jam Company has been seen in the New York Times, on the Food Network, in magazines such as People, Good Housekeeping, Cosmopolitan, and on BuzzFeed. Ashley also gives back to her community amidst her work as an entrepreneur. She teaches jam classes to children at underprivileged schools, and Ashley's work continues to focus on combining her love of food with her passion for supporting the community. So we welcome you, Ashley Rouse. Thanks for having me. Thank you. So I'm excited. I, I do see a birthday thing behind you. So I just got to check in case it was your birthday yesterday or something. Was it your birthday recently or was it somebody else? Yeah, my birthday was in April, but <laughs> I I feel like I was one of the first people to have a COVID birthday. And I was just like really yeah. in my feelings. Like I'm an only child and I just felt like it was all about me. And I was supposed to be in Hawaii and I like wasn't. And Ooh. it was just such a thing. And so, you know, I wouldn't let that one day just go by and I left it up. And here we are in December. So wow! And they those balloons are in good condition, aren't they? Fantastic! They were like a dollar off Amazon. <laughs> wow, mm. that is impressive. Well, now it's your birthday every day. Thank you. Yeah, on the one eighty, we love to play games. So this is an extra special one because I am going to participate, and I have no idea what's about to happen. It's game time on the one eighty. The name of the game is... What's That Jam? My producer, David, is going to play a clip of a song that everybody's heard, but nobody knows the name to. And we are going to take turns guessing the song. You get one point if you can guess the name of the song or the artist, and you get two points if you can name both. At the end, we'll tally it up to see who the winner is, and if you win... We're going to send you a 180 mug. And if I win, you can send me some jam. Maybe. I mean, you know, we, we would have to agree to it. But if you're down for that, you get a mug or I get some jam one way or another. I'm fine with that. What if I can like sing part of the song? I don't get any points for that. You know, if I couldn't sing, then I say, yes, you get some points. But if we both, if we're going to do singing, then we could, it could be a whole singing competition. So I just meant like harmonize. I didn't mean like we're about to like... <laughs> 
this is this is hilarious. Okay, let's do it. I appreciate a singing moment. So, if you if the spirit moves you, yeah, um, David <laughs> said he'll give you extra points. Extra points if you sing. Great. But I'm 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 competitive, so if you sing, I'm gonna sing. <laughs> okay. Okay, I'm I'm gonna go first. Oh. Okay. You you hear it too. I know this. We we all know this. The answer is it is Rihanna's Ponder Replay. That is correct. Great. Great. All right. Let's see what Ashley got. I mean, it's one of Nicki Minaj's monstrosity pop songs, but I can't what? think of what the uh, name is. What's the chorus? I don't know, but I think. Something ships were meant to fly, but I don't oh. know if it's. Uh, is that her song or is that someone else's song that she's just on? I think it's her song. Oh, it is hers. Okay, I don't I don't know. I, I hate her pop songs. If you played like one of her like rap trap songs, I'd probably like know the words, but <laughs> I don't know that one. Starship. I knew it was there was a ship. Starship. In it. But you got Nicki Minaj. So you got one point. Okay. You you got a point. Okay, I'm I'm next. Apparently they're gonna go from easiest to hardest. So great. Doja Cat, say so. Wow, this is impressive. <laughs> but I think you got this next one. You you pretty much had the first one. Okay, you know this. <laughs> I was... You know it. I was having a second trying to remember the name of the group. Okay. But... I'm grateful for him playing the Black Street portion of No Diggity. So, thank you. You got some help. <laughs> you have total you three. Have I have four. Correct. Okay. All right. So it's close game. Close game. Next. <laughs> that's funny that's really funny because i was about to say hey mickey you're so fly i was really hopeful that that's what it was hey mickey <laughs> but i know that that's not it but the drums sound similar oh i don't think i know either if i had to guess a group i'm gonna say the rolling stones <laughs> Ooh. okay that's funny to me the ramones and I can't even say Blitzkrieg Bop. Okay. I don't know why I'm laughing. I didn't know it. Is that a song they play at football games? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next. Oh, okay. Well, thank you for playing that portion. Down. Like, who is that? Ah. Is that the name of the song? Or just remember, you you know, you get a point for the name of the song. I, I don't know. Um, what? I don't know. I'm going to guess Danny Boy because that's what she was singing. And I'm going to guess like Sublime or something. I know the song, but I don't know the... Ooh, I don't know. I don't know, but I like what you said. 
Oh my gosh, it's tub thumping by I'm glad I was close. Chumba Wamba. Chumba Wamba. That's for everything involved. Who called themselves <laughs> Chumba Wamba and who called the song Tum Thumping? Like, what the f- f- flopping, flopping? They're definitely getting harder. Okay, so we're still at four and three. A few. Yeah. How many more do we have? Because, huh. Oh, well. You you picked the right one for this one. I, Neo is one of my favorite singers or songwriters, whatever. So it's Neo, so sick. That's Shaggy, right? It wasn't me? Yes. I was about to say, we were in sixth grade doing body rolls to this. Uh, uh, right. Uh, and I don't even know you, but I know this is what we were doing. I was like, you don't know how old I am. Like, that's hilarious, though. <laughs> Great. That was correct. We're, we're like six to five. Eric is leading. Thank you. I have no idea. Okay. Wait, I'm going to, I'm going to. Are you oh, stealing it? Okay. Well, I was, oh, you no, said, I was gonna you guess. said tequila, didn't you? Like mouth tequila. You saw me. Yeah. You yeah. saw me mouth tequila. I yeah. tried to like decipher what you were saying and I, I missed it. But I didn't remember if that was the name of the song, but the da, 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 da. tequila. They shout tequila. tequila. Right. Right. But people forget. Oh, someone gets half a point. Okay. The referees are in the chat, folks. <laughs> for, for all that can't see it, the refs. The refs are in the chat telling us what's going down. Thanks, David. Okay, so did we both get half a point? Okay. I'm gonna say, I'm just gonna make some shit up. Carousel Waltz by the Waltons. (laughs) You know the ice cream song? The ice cream truck song? Carousel Waltz, that's good. Yeah, right? That could really be the name of the song. That's good. The Entertainer by Scott Joplin. All right. Well, I was just wrong. That's fine. I'm the entertainer. Can we get a modern day song? David picked these songs? Yes, he did. Okay. (laughs) I know, right? Yeah, I think they're only going to get harder, but we're going to get Bach by the end. Yeah. Bach and Mozart. Okay, Ashley, you're up. This is the hardest one. Hardest one, great. Absolutely not. <laughs> I, I have no idea. Right. I, I yeah, I got, I got nothing. Are these from the 80s? Or like super early 90s? That sounded like from the 90s. So neither of us have any idea. Is there anything else that can be done? <laughs> well, at least it's in English. So. Right, right. Have a steady day. Oh, okay. Dragosti Dente by Ozone. David. You were right when you said that that was the hardest one. <laughs> really, David? You know what? We're going to send you a 180. In, in true good faith fashion, we're going to send you a 180 mug regardless. appreciate that. And maybe 
I'll get some jam. Of course. But, but I'm not going to hold you to it. You'll get some jam. <laughs> I'd be happy to share some okay. jam with you guys. I'm excited for the jam for real, for real. Okay. Now that we've played this <laughs> silly, wonderful, beautiful game, and thank you, David, for coordinating and getting those clips together. My producer, David, is very proud of us. <laughs> he said, those were hard. Good job. They were hard. <laughs> but I want to ask you some questions specifically about you. What is your favorite meal to cook and why? Well, I'm a chef. So I hate when people ask me this question. (laughs) I don't have an answer to it. I love everything food. (sighs) Favorite meal to cook? I I don't know. I just, I like to eat everything. So I don't think there's a favorite meal. I like to drink. I probably prefer making cocktails more than Mm. making food these days. But yeah, I like everything. I know that's such a lame answer. For years, I've been trying to prepare a better answer for that question. And I never do. That's that's all good. You said drinks. Are you a coffee or tea person? I like tea. Tea. Yes, I love tea as well. It's just so refreshing and flavorful. Who are you? <laughs> it's so refreshing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's true. What is the best trip you've ever had? Like a getaway type of thing. Or, or it could be down the street, but you know, a trip. Probably, I think South Africa is probably the best trip I've ever taken. Um, it was really this like kind of spiritual, emotional journey. And I just like found myself like crying for no reason. It was just, I can't, it, no words can describe it. It was amazing. Another one would be, I surprised my mom a couple years ago and took her to Paris, which is like the first time I've ever like paid for someone to go on a trip. And it was just so exciting. Yeah, it was so That's cool beautiful. because she like came to New York to visit and she thought we were like just going to hang out. And I was like, guess where we're going today. And she was like, oh, that rooftop you took me to in New York. And I was like, um, no, uh-huh. I was like we're going to Paris. And she was just like, Paris, where? Like, and lost it. And and we went to Paris and then we took the train to Amsterdam and oh. we just had a ball. Oh, that's beautiful. Goals, goals, goals. <laughs> I want to take my mama to Paris. That's beautiful. Do it, do it. South Africa is my favorite place in the world. I lived there for for seven months. Get out. I was in Johannesburg. I spent most of my time in Johannesburg. Were you in Joburg or Cape Town or did you move around? We moved around. So we went to um, both of those, but then we went to like Soweto and like all these, all these like mm-hmm. random countries that I don't remember the name of. We like were on this big motor bus and we were riding around um, and it was just an amazing experience. We like stayed out in these little huts that look like crap on the outside and you go in and they're all like done up and mm. it, it was just we stayed in anything from like a super nice like jw and joburg to like these like yeah. small little huts that i'm talking about they're like kind of more outside in the wilderness and um i just felt like we were really a part of the culture we like sang and danced with like these tribes and it was just mm-hmm. so crazy they kept like playing in my hair because i you know like my hair is natural and there's i just felt like mm. You know, you. I felt like I was like, yes, where my roots lie. Like it was just really, it was really, really great. I mean, my experience was there's just something special about the culture, just the rich history that that exists there. Even a, the way that they acknowledge apartheid um, across cultures and the direct conversations about apartheid that they have. Um, but yeah, I, I, South Africa is my favorite place in the world. I love it. So I'm so glad. Yeah. And we were just talking about this the other day, but I had been to Africa years before I went to Egypt and it's nothing, it's completely different. Like I mm. had no idea I, when I was in Egypt, I felt like I didn't even feel like I was in Africa, you know, it was just such a different place and mm. it was cool in its own right. But being in South Africa is just like a once in a lifetime experience. 
As a kid, did you have a stuffed animal that you were very close to? And do you remember its name? I did not. I had asthma and allergies and my mom wouldn't let like anything fluffy be near me like ever. Wow. So you never, so like. Yeah. So I had like no blankets, no, like, even if it was like a plush pillow, my mom would be like, no. So I didn't really have any of that. Wow. That is, that is a unique, unique (laughs) like experience. I know. It was a very depressing childhood. No, I'm just kidding. I had an (laughs) amazing childhood. I just did not have stuffed animals. Yeah. Well, what's interesting, because you said you're an only child, so in addition to not having stuffed animals, I'm just, did you like... Have no friends? What did playtime... (laughs) I mean, like, did you have invisible friends? Like, what did playtime look like? Not that you need stuffed animals or siblings to have fun. You don't. But I'm just curious, like, what did playtime look like for you? I... I I don't remember what playtime looked like. I had a great childhood. I just, I do feel like being an only child is just a very like particular way of life. And like, mm-hmm. I don't want my child to, to, for it to just be her. Like I want her to have siblings um, because I just remember like going over friend's house, you know, and you like go to play during the day and then like in the evening when your parents come get you, you're like, can I spend the night? Mm. And like, my mom was always the one to be like, no, <laughs> no, every time. And I just was like, uh-huh. I wish I had like the adult foresight to just be like, really bitch? Like, <laughs> you don't have anybody for me to play with when I get home and you're not going to let me spend the night. But so I, I don't know. I, I probably was like a lonely kid. I don't know. Um, okay. Well, that was, that was supposed to be like the chill questions. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. But it's it's all good. You know, we're we're just trying to get to know you. Let's talk about Trade Street Jams. Why not Main Street? I assume is is Trade Street where it was made or what's the significance of, of Trade Street? Yeah, I came up with the idea um when I lived in this tiny uh, apartment in Charlotte, North Carolina on Trade Street. Mm. Um I kind of just, you know, was like ideating with a friend and I was like I, I would love to start a jam company one day. I'll call it Trade Street Jam. And she was like, I love it. Like, write it down. And then I think it wasn't for like eight or 10 years later or something that it actually came into fruition. Culturally, I don't know that I know other Black jam makers. I might, but I don't know. And so with that in mind, what was your process of discovering that you can make jams to then determining you wanted to and could build a business making jams? So... As far as black jam makers, you should check out the New York Times article that they wrote. It wasn't about me, but I was included in it. Mm. And it was all about black jam makers. And it was just so, so interesting because I I just think people don't know about black jam makers. Yeah. But when reality, a lot of things culturally came from black people, right? Like mm. came mm-hmm. from our ancestors, came from slave times, like preserving um, is probably something from slave times when we had to like preserve food, yeah. you know, and um, so just these like really old traditions, but it's a really good article about that. But I think for me, it definitely did not run that deep. I think I just liked making jam. I liked preserving things. Um, I went to culinary school, I've been a chef for like over 15 years now. And so I like all things food, but I love the concept of like getting some really fun stuff from the farmer's market, like putting it in a jar and then you can have it in maybe the dead of winter where you wouldn't be able to have like these really bomb cherries or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I was just like making jam and I loved it. I also used to host these really cool like food swaps and it basically I would get a bunch of foodies together. Um, we would go to my mom's house. She had this like really nice house, really nice kitchen. Mm-hmm. And you would basically, everyone brings 
a dish, but it's like portioned out kind of in mason jars or whatever, like container. And then you go and you like lay it out on the table and then you go around and you like swap basically. So you get to go home with all these fun things. Wow. But the point is, is you only bring like, you know, maybe five, right. And there might be like 15 people there. So you're not going to get everything. So you kind of got to like go around and, um, forage, (laughs) like get what you want. And then, you know, you get to go home with the stuff. So I would always make jams and preserves and things like that. Things in jars. Nice. You mentioned that in this apartment or this place on Trade Street, you kind of had the idea. So what brought, what took the idea from like, all right, this sitting in my head, I wrote down the name of it to like, okay, here's the business plan or here's how I make sure that I'm making money off of this. Yeah. I wish I had a business plan uh, (laughs) in the beginning. I did not. Yeah. You know, I, we moved to Brooklyn maybe six or so years ago and I just got super insane. And that's Brooklyn, North Carolina, right? Just a- No, no, no. Brooklyn, New York is where we're based. Okay. Okay. Wait, here's the thing. Yeah. So, okay, great. I think there was a typo. I'm so confused that you saying Brooklyn, North Carolina. No, I think there was a typo in something that I was sent that said Brooklyn, North Carolina. And then I looked it up and it looks like there is a Brooklyn, North Carolina. I'm not that surprised, <laughs> but no. Okay. So you're in Brooklyn. No, 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 no. Yeah, so I I went to culinary school in Charlotte in North Carolina, and I lived there for some years. And then I moved out to the East Coast with my husband, and my now husband. And so we've been in Brooklyn for like maybe six or seven years now. And just like moving out here, there's this huge Mm. craft maker community. Like they have these huge warehouses where you go in and on the outside, it looks like nothing, you know, it looks run down and you go inside and there's hundreds of makers with these beautiful setups selling, you know, jewelry, tie, scarves, food, whatever. It's like all this handmade goods. And Mm -hmm. it's just really, really inspiring. I know when we first came and saw that, we were both just like, wow, we didn't really see things like that in Charlotte. So um, I knew then that I just wanted to make something, right? Like be a part of this maker culture. And at the same time, I needed something to do. Like when I got off of work, I'm not like a Netflix binger. I mean, you know, I like to watch like movies and stuff, but I can't just come home from work every day and like watch TV all evening. So I need something to do. Um, No shade to anybody who does that. So I started just coming home, like stopping at this store on my way home and just getting all this cool fruit and like making jam. And then I was like, oh, I should just sell this. So I started selling it on Etsy just to do something kind of fun. And Mm. um, people kind of like caught on to it and it was really, really fun. And then it just grew from there, honestly. I know that in your jams, you don't use pectin, thickeners, stabilizers, or extra sugar to thicken the jams. So just share with me your concern for quality and health consciousness within your jams. So I didn't want to include all that crap. I don't know. It's just like, it's just a bunch of extra stuff. Mm -hmm. I just want it to be a super clean label. Like a lot of stuff we buy, I mean, there's ingredients that I don't even know how to pronounce or have never heard of before. And so for me, it was just like, why? I don't even understand why. Like, why don't we just not put that in there? And that's kind of how I started. I also just wanted to introduce something to the world that was like a little bit cleaner, right? Like Americans deal with obesity. Blacks deal with diabetes. Diabetes. I made that up. That's diabetes. <laughs> you remixed it. Yeah. It's actually pretty accurate because African-Americans are overweight, like, you know, it's very common and having diabetes. So mm-hmm. especially I just want to put a twist on something that people are used to not having. And 
I think starting off, I just wanted a healthy product. And now over the years, I've seen how many people are so excited that have diabetes or have health issues. And they see this like, you know, a couple, two grams of sugar where normally jam has like 18 grams of sugar. I think they're just so excited to be able to incorporate something back into their diet that they haven't in so long. So that's really where that came from. Because of that, our jams are very different in, you know, texture, Mm -hmm. in how long they last. You know, they're not going to sit on the side of your refrigerator for six months like Smuckers. Right. But that's a good thing. Like I tell people, I'm like, that's not okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. I tell people, like, don't sit it on the side of the refrigerator door, like where that ketchup is and that's been there for like months. Put it in the front where you put produce, right? Like we don't have any problem with buying fucking avocados that last for like four hours. Right. But like, and we keep buying, I buy them every week and they spoil every week. And I'm like, don't get it. But I need like a half of one for this chili dish. Right. And then the rest, like, you know, it's so stupid, but that's what I want. And people do it. Yeah. People do it. So the same concept applies where it's like, put it in the front of your refrigerator where you put your, you know, your yogurts or your produce, like things that don't last forever um, and treat it like. So it doesn't have a ton of preservatives, so it's only going to last, you know, two to four weeks. But, you know, it's it's kind of a price you pay for something that's cleaner and, and better for your body. Yeah. And what is something that either you or you've heard of people using jam for that you think is like, oh, that's different? Because when I think of jam, I think of toast, I think of peanut butter, jelly, you know, jelly sandwiches. But jams can go on many different things. They can go on anything. You could name anything right now. And I'll like, I'll be like, yeah, we could make that with jam. I mean, except maybe ramen. I don't know. That just came to my head right now. I don't think you could use it <laughs> for ramen. But I mean, you know, it can go on a flatbread, like a pizza. Mm. We put it on like pork chops. I have a customer who wrote me a long time ago and said like it was the smoked peach is their new favorite thing in their um, mom's meatloaf dish. What? Wait, smoked peach sounds so good. It's so literally there's only three ingredients. It's peaches, lemon juice and sugar. But we slow smoke the peaches over apple wood chips. So it's got this like summertime barbecue kind of vibe. It's so popular. And people love it because, I mean, you put that in a drink and it's smoky, right? You could put it on something savory, like chopped. Yeah. I love it just on biscuits because it's a very, like, southern kind of vibe and it's it's a little savory feeling. But, yeah, I mean, people use it on everything. And what is your favorite flavor combo that you've made? It probably changes, you know, every couple of years. Right now, I'm really into um, the sour cherry ginger and the blackberry mold merlot. Ooh. Those are probably my two favorites now. Those are our newest releases. They, they're they from last year, but they're still like our newer flavors. But they're so, so good. The blackberry is just like, it tastes like wine in a jar, but in a good way. Um, with a lot of fresh sea, like fruit and things like that. And then the cherry's got a little bit of ginger, a lot of chunks of the sour cherries in there. So it's a little bit tart, a little sweet. But all of our combos are just real funky like that. Before that, my favorite was our plum and rose, which is just like really floral and good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I am excited. <laughs> like I might hop on the train and go to Brooklyn, New York now that I know it's not Brooklyn, North Carolina. Where are you at? Where are you located? I'm in Harlem. Oh. Oh, yeah. I far? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to buy some jams. I'm, I'm excited to buy some jam after this. <laughs> and so should the listeners be. Buy some jam. So within starting the company, what was a moment that you felt like was a big change or turnaround that you that you had to make? Um, there's been so many. 
I feel like probably my my biggest 180 was when I left my nine to five and went to do this full time. It just it was such a big deal for me. I was terrified and I just could not see the bigger picture. I couldn't see the vision of it working. Hmm. And it really took for uh, my husband and I to like sit down and kind of plan it out on paper for me to really do it. I'll keep it short, but I always tell the story about how it kind of happened. But long story short, we were at this like event my friend was putting together and I was on the panel, right? Had to be a part of this panel discussion. I didn't want to. I didn't want to talk. I don't like people. I just was like dreading going all the time. What were you supposed to talk about? My business. Okay. <laughs> I'm just not, I just want to like be on the couch. Like I don't want to talk to anybody. You'll, no one knows. Yeah. No one ever would know this. Like, you know, I, I know how to like communicate with people. Uh-huh. I don't know, whatever. I just don't like people. So <laughs> I, I didn't want to, and I don't like a ton of attention, right? So I didn't want to like sit on this panel and like talk, Yeah. but I was like dreading it all day, trying to figure out how to get out of it. And I was like, I can't, I got to do it. So I like did this panel. It turned out great. Obviously people are like loving it. In the middle of like one of us talking on the panel, this guy in the audience like was like waving his hand around like crazy, like he needed to say something. And why can't he wait till we're done? Right? He kept waving his hand. So the moderator's like, "Go ahead, like clear, like you have something. Right. Go ahead." <laughs> and I don't know. He like I I like blacked out. I can't even remember all of it. He like stood up and talked about how when you were walking in your purpose that things would just align and there wouldn't be any fear, mm. you know, because this was for you and kind of just went on this like little one minute rant and he led with the spirit led me to tell you guys this right now. That's what he led with. And I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm very fairly spiritual, but I, it just hit me really hard because I was so afraid and it was something that was looming over my head for months that I had really wanted to leave and that my time was over at my job, but I just didn't, like I said, I didn't believe in it. I didn't think I could do it. And so him saying that just really like meant something. And then on the ride home in the car, I remember like looking at my husband and I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to quit. And he was like, I mean, he was like, duh, like, <laughs> cause he was like waiting on this. Right. He's like, of course. Yeah. But like, it was the first time that I had said out loud that I was going to do it and I wasn't afraid. And it, it was just so mm. that alone was very scary because I had been scared for so long. It was such a daunting thing to me to leave. And for the first time, it didn't feel that way. So it was almost just like it was meant to be. And I literally went in like two days later and, and put in my notice. And yeah, and that was it. Wow. So it's, it seems like there was a leap of faith and a trusting that was required. And you certainly like at a certain point you were maybe leaning back like oh, I don't know I don't know if I'm <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready for this and then you decided to like lean forward lean in and embrace the call and it's it's amazing that 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 gentleman at the panel was like I got a message with you I got a message I feel like I had been asking God for like a sign or you know what I mean or mm. just like tell me and my husband kept saying like this is a sign and pointing out these things that were happening but for me it just you know, that's why I say fairly faithful. I'm definitely faithful and super like spiritual, but sometimes I'm that person that's like, show me again, God. Uh And he's like, really? And I'm like, but one more time, show me one more time. And he's like, message. He's like, he's like, I I, I said it. I said it a few times. (laughs) 
exactly. He's, he's fairly annoyed with me on an everyday basis. That one hit me and I was like, mm. that's the message like that. And just do it. And, and also there's the reality of things where I just, we just put down numbers on paper. Like people ask me all the time, uh, entrepreneurs will come up to me and say like, how do I do this full time? How can I take this leap? Mm-hmm. I tell them, you know, on one hand, yeah, you need to pray on it and you need to kind of be led to do this. But at the same time, like you also need to be smart about it. Like we put down numbers. We built a simple spreadsheet that was like, here's how much our bills are. Each-. Like if your bills are, right. I don't know, three grand a month or whatever, more power to you. Cause it's New York. Like that would actually be great. But like, that's like our <laughs> rent alone, whatever anyway. But like if your bills are like three grand a month or, you know, and you guys both put 1500 in, okay. That means you need 1500 to right. be able to survive. Or can your roommate or partner or whatever, can they maybe pay 2000 and you pay a thousand for a couple months, whatever, like, mm-hmm. you know, whatever the breakdown is, we broke it down like that. And we figured that between my savings if we emptied out my savings, emptied out his savings and, you know, and he paid more of the bills, we could go one full year before I needed to Mm. either contribute or go back to work. And in my mind, once I saw that, I was like, I'm never looking back a year, like a whole year. (laughs) If I can't make it work in a year, it's not for me anyway. And so I think that was a really motivating factor at the time as well, just knowing that I had that buffer room. And that's great to hear because, you know, of course, we have the instances on the 180 where people talk about, okay, I took a leap of faith and just trusted. And, and that's beautiful to hear. But also what you're talking about is like, and I, I took a leap of faith and trusted and I did some number crunching and got very clear on what the outcomes needed to be in order for me to maintain and sustain and ideally to thrive. That's great that you had both and, and that you had a partner that was supportive and able to have that conversation with you about like, look, babe, that's what we want to do. Let's make it happen. That's how we're going to make it happen. Yeah. I I mean, for single people, I can't help you. Like, I don't know what to (laughs) tell you. If you, especially if you live in New York, like, I don't know what to tell you. But I mean, honestly, then that's when you need to reach out to your, you know, your support system. Like my mom has helped so much in the business throughout the years. So, you know, regardless of who you have, like there's somebody that can support you, your friends, your family, do a Kickstarter, whatever you got to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just to kind of understand financially where you are before you make that leap. I can't condone you just leaping without like mm. running any sort of numbers. Yeah. You just got to be smart about things, you know. Message. <laughs> <laughs> As a black female entrepreneur, is there a s- specific experience that you've had that's different from perhaps other folks? Has that played a factor in your business? And if so, how? Well, I think my whole situation is kind of one big anomaly, right? Because how many like black female jam makers have a jam company? Mm -hmm. You know, it's been great. And it's also been a challenge. And because of that, I mean, I think it kind of has left me in a space where I don't have a lot of people that are in the exact same situation to go to. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. I can talk to other jam makers, I can talk to other black women, but when it comes to black women jam makers, I, I don't think that there's a ton of people for me to reach out to. So that's been a little bit more of a challenge. And then also just trying to get into spaces where there isn't anyone because nobody looks like you, right? So yeah. trying to get into, I don't know, a store, Whole Foods, whatever, that took years and years hmm. to get into. 
and I'm not saying because I'm a black female jam maker, but what I'm saying is there's probably not a lot of people that are doing what we're doing all the way. Right. And so it just like, it looks new to people, right? Mm-hmm. When you reach out to people or you go into a meeting with people, it's a new concept to them. And some people are more open to being like, yeah, let's give it a try. And other people are like, I've never seen this before. So no. Mm. And so I feel like that can be a, a little bit of a challenge. But at the same time, I feel like it has its, upside to it nobody wants to be the same as everybody right i love when i tell people about jam like literally you know we tell people like oh what do you do it's like oh i make jam and they're like like jelly and i'm like yeah like jelly like you know (laughs) what i mean i know you don't know what this is but like also like look me up you know what i'm saying like we're doing something here and it's different it's gonna feel weird and i feel like as a creative like when something feels a little strange or a little weird a little off like that's when you got something and so that's been very positive and then also like now you know with the black lives matter and everything that's going on i mean i'm so glad it's so trendy and cool to be black now because it wasn't before (laughs) but you know now that it is it's been really great for the business as well so Mm -hmm. you know there's ups and downs to everything and did you surprise yourself in any ways in the process of growing the company like a skill set that you discovered you had or that you were up to learn uh, up for learning Uh, what ways did you surprise yourself in growing the company every way Everything I do that I'm, like, forced to do, I'm just like, oh, shit, I didn't know I knew how to do that. Or, like, (laughs) you know what I mean? I didn't know I would be able Mm -hmm. to figure it out. I think the biggest one is kind of more personal. I just had a baby a few months ago. Congratulations. Thank you. It's such a, like, it's the biggest deal ever in life. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, everyone's like, oh, yeah, you had a baby. But, like, people don't know. Like, people have no clue. And I get it. It's because they haven't had a baby, Mm -hmm. you know? It's they either if they're, you know, a guy, they haven't been in a relationship with a woman that had a baby that's close to them. Or if they're a woman, they just haven't. And until you do, you cannot know how big of a deal it is. Around January, I think I was like so worried, right? COVID was hitting and I could kind of foresee what was going on. And we get a we got a lot of our sales in past years from doing in-person events. So I was kind of worried. Mm. I'm like, I had these sales goals for the year and I had no idea how I would reach them. We were tripling our sales every year. Mm. And so I was like, oh, how are we going to triple our sales this year with like with COVID, no events? Right. So I was freaking out. So around January, February, our sales were like $1,300 a month. And then I think like March hit and our sales were like 8000 a month. And I was like, oh, shit, like, this is great. And then June hit and our sales were 75000 Wow. So that was a big, that was a big uptick. Okay. <laughs> that was huge. <laughs> yes, uptick. Are you kidding me? And so I right, just, How did you keep up with that? I would tell you, except I blacked out from <laughs> May 30th or so to... Like July 5th when I was like home with my baby. I'm pretty sure I blacked out. I was eight months pregnant with swollen ankles and so cranky and just like feeling kind of awful. I had felt great the whole time. But like towards the end, there's like nothing you can do. Like your body's like, Uh it's time. Like there's nothing you can do. You're holding a person in you. a A whole person's inside of you. And she's kicking the fuck out of me all the time uh-huh. and she kicks so much now and i'm like you were doing this inside like i will never forgive you wow. but <laughs> so i'm like going through all this right and but at the same time i'm like fulfilling packages every day yeah you know my goal is like 100 packages a day 100 packages every day so it's like me my mom who got stuck here for covid because god is good mm. and she would have never have been here so my mom my husband 
they have jobs, mind you, so they couldn't help till like 6 p.m., 7 p.m. And then I had like two staff members coming who I was like afraid of COVID because I had a baby. So we were right. like wearing masks. I didn't want them close, but I needed to be close. I mean, it was so much. I cried every day. And I was, you know, I was just so thankful and so frustrated all at one time. Yeah. It's just a feeling I've never had before. And then I literally you know, went for my last doctor's appointment and they were like, yeah, we're going to induce you now today. And I was like, no, but when you say induce, like, do you, so I'm going to go home and I'll, and they were like, no, honey, you're going to go across the street. To, and I was like, <laughs> and I have so many packages left right. to do before the baby comes. Like, and so I have a picture of me in the hospital bed with like IVs with my computer up on my belly, sitting on my belly, oh, like, my and doing, cause I was like doing these, like, SOPs for my mom like so she would know how to like continue doing orders because she couldn't be there because you could only have one person because of COVID right, my COVID, husband was with right. me so I'm like sending my mom these like emails like here's how you like ship out the jam while I'm gone and I was scheduling my employees like to come and like package up and then I had my baby on Saturday night at like 8 p.m. and Monday morning at 9 a.m. we were back filling packages wow my feet were my feet were like monsters and <laughs> my mom was like, sit down. And I was like, I have so many orders. It, it was just such a stressful time. So anyways, that's the most long winded answer to that question. But that's no, you're, the biggest. You're like Wonder Woman. That's that's amazing. I don't know about that, but I appreciate that. <laughs> I think I'm just a woman. Oh, okay. Okay. Message. That's good. That's that deserves that deserves. Okay. Yes, you are a woman. That was good. I'm gonna go quote myself today for now. That was right. <laughs> Please do. Please. No, I think I'm just a woman. It was really. Thanks. That's like HBO. You know, it's not TV. It's HBO. Like, come right. on. Right. Right. Um, right. <laughs> well, this is really inspiring. You talked about your support system. You talked about your mother, your husband. Did you find that you have had any mentors specifically because? I mean, you already talked about how it was difficult to find a black female jam maker, but are there any mentors that you've worked with that have been integral to your your success? I don't know if it's any like, you know, single people. I think it's yeah. just a compilation of, you know, like my husband and my mom are just like m my world. I think they have just held me up throughout this. Yeah. And then I just think having these like little coffee breaks with other entrepreneurs has have just been pivotal because they say things and you're just like, mm. it's the most simple things. And you're like, I didn't know. I mean, like my community has been my mentors, like my Instagram community. I have this like yeah. really great relationship with my like Instagram. And it's so crazy because this is like the new day and age, but I have like Instagram friends that I, that like I'll meet in person and they're, they're like, we know you. And I'm just like, this is crazy. <laughs> We've been talking for months through DM. Like, but I have people that I've met just on Instagram, but I, you know, I've put questions out and people have, you know, I'll, I'll never forget this. I, I was like printing out labels to go on my packages, like individually on you, the, the USPS website, like typing in the address manually, printing out the label. I, I know it's so absurd. I don't, I, <laughs> I was, what's wrong with me? I was like going in and do every time we would get an order and it was fine. We have like five orders a week or something. And then, right. But then, oh my God, we got featured in Bon Appetit's magazine and newsletter online, something. And overnight we got 300 orders. And this was like a couple years ago. It was the biggest thing to date. And I was crying because I was manually typing in 
from my website typing in the address. Oh, I know. Gosh. And so I like put, I like did a story on Instagram and I was just like, this is the hardest thing ever. <laughs> and someone wrote me and was like, sis, why are you using ShipStation? And I was like, what's that? Yeah, you're right. But I was like, <laughs> right. but also what the hell is that? And I looked it up and she saved my life. Like it imported all my orders and like printed my labels automatically. And I, I can't remember who it was that told me that specifically because I wish it I could because I say the story all the time and I would love to like reach out. But my Instagram community has saved me like that so many times just by like giving me random information. So yeah, well, a lot of different mentors. I do think John Henry from The Hustle has given me some good information. John Henry. Yeah, I don't like shouting him out. Oh, and then I just did. No, but he's kind of a butthole. And like, he also like never answers my like texts. <laughs> and he's always just like, reach out if you need something. And I reach out and he fucking doesn't answer. I, I hope oh, he hears this that. podcast. John, right. John, 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 you know me. Uh-huh. Don't do this. And you know me too. See, I'm, so I'm going to get on John. I'm, I'm saying this. We, we like... He used to live in my neighborhood in Harlem, so we would frequent the same cafes. I don't know him like that, but I hope he does hear this because John, <laughs> John. come on, if you if you say reach out, then you got to reach back. Listen, you can't you can't say reach out and then your hands are gone. I mean, I would I would meet with John Henry like twice a year, and like he would be like, "It's so good to see you." Like, do you need anything? I'm like, "Yeah, I need you to answer the 14 texts I sent, the four emails." Like, what do you mean? What do you mean? You asked me if I need help. Like you, you know, like, right. but that's my big thing. Like, it, like I tell people to reach out if they need something or have questions and they, I'm like, I will answer your DMs. I will answer. And I get so many mm. and I make it a point. I have stayed up till one, two in the morning answering DMs because I just feel like it's don't, I'm not going to put myself out there and not answer them. Yeah. But I met John Henry on the first episode of The Hustle. We were on this show a while ago. It was a really cool experience. And as much as I, you know, said he's kind of a butthole sometimes, he definitely <laughs> has dropped some, he knows, he knows. <laughs> he has definitely dropped some some gems. I, I remember him saying, um, the best thing you can do is learn to become comfortable with being uncomfortable and so mm -hmm. many uh, interviews I've said they, they say what's your one like piece of advice and I've said that because I feel like when you can kind of say like you know you're ever doing something you're like fuck this sucks right. and then like you're like wait a minute wait this is uncomfortable because I'm growing so just push through it I don't know it's so simple but it, at least it just a little bit it's like okay I just gotta push instead of like fighting your way through it yeah Lean forward, don't lean back. Yeah. Lean back. Yeah. Lean back. Uh, no diggity, no doubt. Okay. I'm gonna right, stop. right. Uh, <laughs> Who's lean back? Who whose song is that? It's either Fat Joe or Big Pun. It's sad that I get the it's Fat Joe. It's Fat Joe. That's funny. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say it's Fat Joe. It's Fat Joe. But as you know, no diggity, no doubt. No doubt in that no diggity may be, may be deeper than I realized. That no diggity, no doubt. <laughs> it meant so much. Yeah. Right. It meant so much. You're clearly a serious player in the jam world. What's next either for Trade Street Jam Company or for you individually? Where do you see yourself in the future? I see myself being rich. Yes. I have always said I wanted to sell my company for $200 million. Hey. Yeah, it was just a number I kind of came up with. But, you know, my husband's always sending me these articles that really make it seem like it can happen. I think just the other day, Cholula hot sauce, we use their hot sauce. It's really good. Oh, yeah. I know them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the little brown screw top. They have good they have hot good, sauce. They have good yes. hot sauce. I can't remember who they sold to. 
but they sold for 800 million. And so I, I'm processing my head like, Hmm, that's a condiment. Right. So are we, there's only limited things you can do with hot sauce. Right. Like, I'm not limiting them. You can put hot sauce on a lot of things. Right. But like you could put jam on more. Uh Uh-huh. And so I'm thinking to myself, like, you know, what they've built is great. And that's what they purchased. That's what was purchased from them is kind of what they've built. This community, this group of cult-like following. That's what, you know, people say that I have a cult-like following. That's what they have built. Mm. And that's what they sold was this following. Not so much just this brand of hot sauce. So... Anywho, if they can sell for 800 million, I just need a cool 200 million. And then, you know, if I can take home like 20, 20 million of that, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, don't ask me what I'm going to do after that. Like, what do you mean? People are like, (laughs) people are always like, what are you going to do after? What do you mean? Be rich. Isn't that the, that is what I'll do is be rich. Right. I don't understand the question. Yeah, I don't understand. (laughs) I love it. I'll be rich, be rich. <laughs> simply <laughs> simply put you're confused you're confused <laughs> that's what I thought people. oh you're confused i'm gonna let you know i just i wrote it down i typed it i wrote selling trade street jam company selling for 200 million dollars it's like thank you the more we manifest it the more we put it down claim it it is so it is true so i'm, I'm looking forward to that so will you reach out to me in a few years like when you read an article you're like you know, surfing the internet and it says it. Yes. Will you reach out to me and be like, I wrote that shit down. Yeah, I, I will. I'm going to be like, I wrote that shit down. She got my mug. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and I will be thrilled and proud. And I, this is really, I'm interested in this, but you said a cult like following with your social media what would you say, how do you account for that? Was that like your brainchild? Are you in charge of it? Do you have a team? Do I have a team? <laughs> no, I have, I have, I'm not gonna say, I have a, a few people that help me with some things, yeah. but I think, I think the cult like following, I, I don't even know if I have a cult like following, it's something my husband says, <laughs> but I've heard, I've heard like yeah. two or three people say it over, you know, a certain amount of time. And I was like, that's a thing. Right. I mean, you got 20, over 20,000 followers, over 20,000 followers on Instagram alone. When I have like 200, I'm going to be like, I got a cult like following. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. No, but you know, the number doesn't matter so much as mm-hmm. like who's really following you because I think more of my demographic is less on Instagram as much as like the younger millennial, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, that's great. These followers are great, but I think my real cult-like following are people who kind of have rocked with me in different ways, like my newsletter and things like that, right? Because I'm yeah. always putting these transparent newsletters that's like, hey, we fucked up. Like, <laughs> we thought we could get this out to you and this, and we can't. Like, mm-hmm. and it's because I had a baby and I'm trying my hardest and I'll do everything I can to like make it right. And people are just like, what? Like, I ride with you. Like, I'm staying. It's fine. Like, I'll still buy from you. Mm, That transparency. That's beautiful. Yeah. It's, it's, gosh, I can't even tell you how important it is, how much better it makes me feel when we fuck something up. (laughs) And seriously, we recently have been having issues and I sent out a newsletter and I, you know, I got like 10 people that wrote back that said like, you guys are so classy and like, we'll never stop buying jam from you. And another one was just like, your product's so awesome. And your transparency is so like real, like, Mm. you know, keep doing that and all your customers will stay with you. And the fact that people take the time to respond 
and say that, you know, because like there's people I follow and I get their newsletter and they might be like that. And I probably wouldn't write back. I would just be like, oh, that's cool. Right. So the fact that someone takes the time to hit reply and like write a message, it's it's just really huge. But but I think the cult like following to answer your original question comes from me being transparent on social media, Mm. me putting my face out there and just trying to be a face behind the brand. I think a lot of big brands we follow, we don't know who's running the account. We don't know who is behind the brand, who founded the brand. Like, I feel like when you say trade street, you're going to be like, oh, that black girl, right? <laughs> like, right. And mm, I usually mm-hmm. have like big curly hair. I feel like they're going to be like, the black girl with the hair. Like, they're going to remember <laughs> that because I'm always trying to put my face out there. And I think that's what keeps people going and makes them feel better about spending their dollars with this. And people connect to people, you know, there's the product, but people connect to people. So that makes a lot of sense. That's what it is. Cool. Well, we usually wrap up with a quote. So I'm going to share a quote and get your thoughts on it or how it's relevant to our conversation. The purpose of life is to live it, to taste experience to the utmost, to reach out eagerly and without fear for newer and richer experience. That's a quote from Eleanor Roosevelt. All I heard was rich. and No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Ah! <laughs> no, no, no. I'm totally kidding. Actually, you know what I thought of was when I was about to quit and I was about to take this leap of faith and I was freaking out. And my mom, who's just like my like right hand man, she literally said the best words ever. She said, honey, you can always go back to work. And I was like, it hit me like a freight train. I was like, Oof. wait, why are you freaking out? Like, right. you have a whole degree. Like, what do you, you have like great job experience. Like, why are you freaking out? Like, this is like, when you do this, there's no going back ever to anything. And I think that quote just reminds me of that. It's just like, just take these like leaps and just like do it. There's so many people that just like, don't Mm. do shit. And they're all, I will never want to be like 65, 75 years old. Like I should have left. Like, no way. I'm going to be like, I quit my job and I made jam and it was absurd and no one was doing it. (laughs) And people laughed at it and and now look at this house. Like, you know what I mean? I don't know. Like, you just have to do it. Look at this mansion with this mug. Look at this. <laughs> look at this mug. Look at this mug, honey. This mug was the beginning, you know? Like, I don't know. You just have to, like, take it and you have to live these experiences. And I feel like if this gym didn't or doesn't work out or whatever, like, I don't know. I will never regret doing it. It's an experience. And I loved it. And it's something I'll tell my daughter when she gets older about how, like, we had this $75,000 month and she was kicking me and I was angry and upset. And, uh-huh. and now she's the joy of my, my world. You know what I mean? It's a, that's what that reminds me of. So Beautiful. Yes, yes, yes. Well, thank you so much, Ashley, for taking the time. I want to make sure that our listeners stay connected with you. So you all can follow Trade Street Jam Company on Instagram and Twitter as well. Is that right? We don't really tweet, but you can okay. follow us if you want to. Yeah, yeah. whatever. <laughs> okay, you can follow them at Trade Street. So trade and then ST, the abbreviation for street. Yeah. Jam Co. C-O. So Trade Street Jam Co. And the Instagram is popping for show, for show. It's always great to see people existing and doing things that bring them joy. So I think that's a huge part of the success that that is happening with your company. And to just be able to hear about it and to talk to you about it is really inspiring. Is there anything else that you want to share with us before we part? That's it. Check it out. Boston Jam. It makes really good stocking stuffers. People love it. It's so, so fun to like, you know, for the holidays, Thanksgiving, all that. Any time of year, 
get the jam check out the instagram the website's the same trade s-t-j-m-c-o and yeah welcome to the jam and people can purchase on the website and there are also uh various stores where they can can purchase yeah uh the jams yeah Ooh. well thank you so much once again ashley and uh i'm excited for your 200 million dollar sale like that's what i'm really looking forward to i'm putting it out there it's happening thank you so it is it is so <laughs> Thank you all for joining us. The 180 is produced by David Treatman with audio production and editing by Mike Luno. Original music composed by Jarrett Landon and sung by yours truly and digital portraits by Byron McRae. If you like what you heard, tell your friends. We need your help to spread the love and inspiration. Follow us on all social media at The180Pod and visit our website at www.the180pod.com. If you want to help support these stories, please consider subscribing to our Patreon. You can get access to chat more with me. You can also get exclusive content, merchandise, and you can hear episodes early. Visit our Patreon at www.patreon.com, the180pod. Until next time, I'm your host, Eric Lockley. Take care and be blessed. Know that you'll have a blessing if you just keep on pressing. Don't stop, keep going, you can turn it around. The 180, yes, it's a big change. The 180, your life won't be the same. The 180, you can do it. Say yes to your beautiful future. The 180.